0: For 12 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosyonthehouse.com. And we're privileged and happy to have you. And over three decades of Rosie on the House.
1: Arizona to Rosie on the house, a Saturday morning radio program aimed at answering any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin. You could join the conversation. Feel free. Don't be bashful. Call us at 1-888-767-4348. We literally every week take calls of people that have been listening for years, and the first thing they say is, I've never called. Well, I'm, I'm not going to bite your head off. I'm not going to be rude or mean. I'm just going to try and help you through whatever it is you're trying to tackle. And if you're a regular subscriber to our newsletter that we send out every week, you know you're given a tip as to what we're going to cover each Saturday. And one of the things we're covering today are... The most asked questions that were given on the show and on our website all year long. John J. Harper was here last hour, and Romy and he were visiting about the plant questions that we most often get all year long. Well, one of the most popular questions we got in the in in the, in the topic of remodeling is a lot of people, I think because they've been locked down in their house and the house may feel a little bit smaller uh, than it used to feel when when you only live there 12 hours a day. Now that you live there 24 hours a day, maybe the walls have kind of grown in on you a little bit. You're feeling a little bit tighter. So we met a lot of people this year who wanted to take that middle wall down for homes that were built in the 70s. And, and, and the 80s and before. You know, when you want to take that wall down and create big open space, from the minute you walk in the door, you can see all the way to the back exterior wall. Not a couple of rooms that you have to walk through doors or maybe even a hall to see them all, but one big, large, open space. Now, in our article, How to Remove a Load-Bearing Wall, we've got great pictures what you'll do is you'll go to our blog let's do some remodeling can i remove that wall and it'll give you an introduction to the topic and then it'll give you an opportunity to read the full article click on that full article and we have literally created a photograph step-by-step guide on what you need to look for to determine whether that load-bearing wall is load bearing or not chances are if it was built prior to about 1983 or 84 there's a very high probability that wall down the middle of your house is in fact bearing what you need to do is get up in the attic and take a look the wood members that support your roof are called rafters and then you have the wood members That support the ceiling to your house and those are called joists okay if those joists lap over each other on top of that wall and there are support posts running from there from where that wall is up to the rafters above it is absolutely definitely a load-bearing wall now in the 80s we quit traditional framing attics and roofs and we started using trusses and there's no bearing points anywhere inside the house generally speaking so we have to determine are you traditional framed or are you trust the breaking point for that is the early 80s okay once we determine that it is a load-bearing wall the complications are many that you need to know about you will need to contact an engineer You will need to have the beam that you're going to put up there sized appropriately. Now, when we built these houses back in the 70s and we knew that center wall was going to be carrying a little bit extra weight than the rest of this floor, we would chalk a line down the middle before the concrete truck got there and we'd get a couple guys with number two shovels and we'd dig a trench. And so when the concrete poured Down that middle wall, there'd be a little 8-inch deep, 12-inch wide trough of concrete, giving the slab a little bit more of extra support. Now, if we're going to take that load-bearing wall out, put a beam in there, all of that load that was being carried by the whole wall is now being carried by two points at each end of the beam. And that little turned down footing that we poured in there is completely insufficient. So it shows, the article actually shows how you determine it, how you saw cut it, how you put in the rebar, how you mask and protect so that the rest of the house doesn't get all full of dust and dirt and sawdust. And then it shows you pictures of projects before and after. So removing that load berry wall. I think, as a consequence of the COVID pandemic, became a very, very popular project last year. You can read all about it at rosyonthehouse.com. Let's go to the, let's go to the phones. We've got callers. calling in at 1-888-767-4348. And David has a question. Good morning, David. Yeah, hi. I uh, have a place up in Heber. Oh boy. And last week I had forty. Uh, I had 46 tons of gravel dumped on my driveway, and it looks great. It's fine, except it's about three to four inches deep, and it's real soft, and I need to know how I can compact it because my car darn near gets stuck in the gravel. Oh, boy. Well, you know now how we would ordinarily do that is we'd go in, and we'd lay an inch and a half or two, let you roll on it for about six months, and we'd come back with another inch and a half or two and top it off. But they make... uh, rollers compressors um they're, they're like little mini riding lawnmowers with big wheels on either end that are filled with water and they weigh an extreme amount of money uh, an extreme amount of weight and you just roll back and forth back and forth back and forth the other uh, whoever brought you that rock should know someone some excavator in the area that can come out and roll that out for you but that that other than just Dealing with it in your vehicle, um, that that could get a little hazardous if we get any amount of snow or moisture in the spring when everything really gets soggy. But, uh, but they make equipment just for doing that. Contact the company that delivered the, the gravel and see if they can't recommend a, an excavator to roll it out for you. Okay, I'll do it. Thank you. All right, Mr. Dave. I understand there were some little snow frostings around the heber area so far so
0: and that reminded me i had this saved for jay and i just missed it uh in the last hour if you have property in the mountains or anyone listening on calf out of flagstaff if you have a 10 acre or more parcel where the primary tree is ponderosa pine and you're getting hit by bark beetle you can apply for the Western Bark Beetle Grant Initiative. The deadline is December thirty first, and anywhere from ten to thousand to eighty five thousand dollars to help battle against the bark beetles. You go to Arizona Department of Forestry and Fire Management, and you can find the link to fill out the application there. If you got ten acres or more, where the primary tree is plant is ponderosa pie, pine and you're fighting bark beetles you got till the end of the year to apply for the grant to help battle those buggers
1: and on the topic of grants uh, many municipalities are issuing you rebates and grants for eliminating summer lawns and i know as a citizen as a resident of scottsdale scottsdale is offering a one dollar a square foot for every Warm weather summer grass you eliminate up to 5,000 square feet, and I think that's just the push I needed to turn the back half of my lawn into shade trees and maybe a, a bigger dog kennel. But uh, I'm, I'm going to make my application, the application deadlines into January a dollar a square foot for every square foot of warm summer grass you eliminate in your yard. And Scottsdale is not the only one offering this. So if, if that's something you're contemplating doing, get in touch with your cities. And there are, I know some of them do have like
0: parameters around what you can use to replace it with. You yes. know, if you replace it, um, an artificial turf doesn't always apply uh, for that rebate. So look into what you have to replace it with to apply for that. But I'll give you a little tip. You said a dollar per square foot. We were in Las Vegas for a week earlier this uh, this month for the rodeo finals, and it's it's very interesting. You know, we've been to Tulsa, we've been to Des Moines, and we make notes about what's different. Each little city seems to have its own little thing, and the the you drive around, and the billboards and the lights all say one messaging you turn on the radio and the ads are all about rehab centers and water savings <laughs> and what which, which none of those you see on the billboards anywhere while you're driving around my point is Vegas is offering three dollars a square foot to transition your lawn, so you might they hold better. out. You they might better. you might hold out a little bit and get a little more
1: on uh, on your transition if you wait another summer or two. Yeah, Vegas needs to be offering that kind of incentives. They they Nevada's in a much worse water situation than Arizona. Arizona's is actually Whereas, in pretty good shape.
0: You know, the CAP is about a, a third of our water supply. It's the Colorado River system is 90% of Las Vegas's water supply. So they've they've got a real initiative there to not use water outside, especially on lawns.
1: Oh ho ho. ho.
0: Can I tell you that turkey you made on was it Wednesday was unbelievable?
1: Did you like that? Oh man, I had thirds and fourths. I loved your mock shoe.
0: Oh, that thank was a you. good batch yeah. of mock shoe, my friend. I tell you, man, folks, we had a great lunch on Wednesday, and um, I think that's the second one we've had where everybody like brought a dish and all that.
1: Little Rothstaff staff party for yeah. the holidays, man.
0: You ain't gonna get that at a restaurant, no.
1: Mom's. Mom's cornbread dressing, deep-fried turkey. We had a green chili casserole. You had your mock shoe. Oh, I'm getting full again just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Man, oh, man. We're here right now talking about, uh, in particular, the most asked questions we were asked all year long. It is the Christmas Day edition of Christmas Week edition of Rosie on the House. We will not be on uh, on Christmas Day. The uh broadcast bosses uh, have dictated that Christmas Day, they take over all the airwaves and they run Christmas specials all day. So we get to stay home. We actually have family uh, over the Atlantic Ocean right now flying from Brussels, Belgium, to Newark, New Jersey. They land at Sky Harbor midnight tonight. Baby, I'm going to be there with bells on. So we've got a caller. Let's go ahead and go to caller. You can join the conversation at one 767 48. Good morning, Mr. Matt. Good morning, Rosie. I, Amen. I, I almost forgot my question because you made me so hungry talking <laughs> about all that great food. <laughs> it was good, it was a big feed, I'll tell you.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I have a quick question for you. Uh, my wife is looking at some way to heat our patio so we can enjoy it just as much on those uh, chilly evenings. as, as we do, you know, a year round and um, looking at like a patio heater, like you would have at a restaurant. um, What, what kind of clearance do I need between the top of that and the ceiling of a covered patio? Or is that just a bad idea in general in a, in a covered patio situation? And is there something else I should look at?
1: I think while you're out there enjoying the area, it's going to be hard to have that turned up so hot for so long that you're going to put the ceiling of your patio in any kind of jeopardy at all. When we're talking about heating a back patio, we've got the roll-around canisters type that you take the five-gallon propane tank and install it. Then you've got the little uh, mushroom umbrella cap on top like you see at the restaurant facilities. And it's good at heating kind of a general area, maybe a general area in a circumference of five to six feet around that particular unit. Works well. Uh, I don't think if your ceiling is over 8, 9, or 10 feet, I don't think you're going to have any kind of problem at all. Again, I wouldn't leave it on overnight when I went to bed, but while you're out there enjoying it, I can't imagine it would ever get so hot. It would pose uh, a danger. Now, the other thing we can do if you're in a dual-energy home is we can actually mount space heaters up on the ceiling and point them down at you which is another option. It's a, a bit more expensive. But if you then will, I would tell you, you ought to weigh the option if you have a dual energy home. Uh, because with a ceiling mounted space heater and roll down shades, you can heat that space to get just about as comfortable as you want. And I think you missed your patios. And I'll tell you what, When you're in misting season and you drop those screens to take the direct sun off, you take another 5 to 10 degrees off those summer patios. So the little mushroom umbrella top portables are fine. I don't think you have to worry about your ceiling at all. Before you make that investment, do a little research as to what a ceiling mount might run. Then you throw the roll-down screens outside of that, and now... Your back patio has literally become an overflow room you can use year-round. And I'm going to give you one more website to check
0: out, Vitoheater.com. V-E-I-T-O Heater.com. This uh, was on display at the Cowboy Christmas at the Las Vegas Convention Center in one of the booths, and we're looking at it for a portable heater. Uh, to run outside the, the horse trailer when on the colder colder seasons, um, it's electric. It's they have the stand, but they also have ones that mount on the wall or the ceiling. And what's really neat about this is, you know, he had a spray bottle there and he'd spray it with water, showing you it's waterproof. It's got oh my a um, for the the stand, not the the ceiling mount, but the stand one. It's got a bump sensor technology. So, if the dog knocks it over or a kid knocks it over, it immediately shuts off. Oh. So, it's not burning heat on the side. Um, we couldn't stand next to it. It was so low. So little. hot. Um, and, but, you know, it, it wouldn't scold you like if it was a gas one if you accidentally touched it either. Um, they, they were, I was completely blown away with them. Spell it again V E I T O heater.com. And the only reason we didn't buy one there, and they had a show discount that would have saved 100 bucks. is um, there was also the—we just didn't feel like carrying it around for the next five hours. Yeah, totally right. <laughs> so And where is got it got made, car, Romy? Car. Where is it made? Well, I don't— What's this? See, made in USA. I, I, yes. Okay. Uh, it's assembled. I, I think there's components, um, some of the, the mechanics in it, but it's at least assembled. And, and it's uh, the headquarters is in Las Vegas, so ah. it's it's real close uh, shipping wise, so All right. I would check that out. I I think that's going to be a pretty unique game changer in the world of space heaters. There's a
1: there's a couple great options
0: for you there, Matt. Let's and, finish doing a little research. And the stand up ones less than four hundred bucks. That's I mean, they're, nice. They're not. Uh, they're a lot more affordable than a lot of other op- space heater options out there.
1: Very good. We'll have to get one and 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 Rosie test it.
0: We'll have Matt Rosie test it.
1: Okay. Ho, ho, ho! Welcome to my house, Rosie on the house. We're all decorated here. The tree's up, lights are on, eggnog is served. Merry, merry Christmas! Happy Hanukkah season to you all,
0: Santa. Could you bring Rosie some buttermilk, please? Whole For the love of God, would you do it? Whole buttermilk. (laughs) Whole buttermilk, sorry.
1: Whole, baby, whole buttermilk. That's right. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate that. In our article this week, we're talking about the things we've been asked the most this particular year. Now, I don't know why this question made it to the top of the list this year. Maybe it's because we have so many newcomers that have landed in Arizona. They want to know, why is stucco so popular for homes in the desert? Oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you, here's a couple reasons, and I'm going to give you a little history lesson. Uh, Back in the 50s and 60s, throughout the majority of Arizona, we were building masonry homes. Uh, Energy cost us about three cents a kilowatt. We were putting single-pane aluminum frame windows in. We were hardly insulating the houses at all because energy was so cheap. And we would just throw a monster air conditioning on that baby and say, hey, when you get warm, just fire that big boy up and you'll be fine. Well, there became a social conscious awareness through the 60s and the 70s where maybe we should be more responsible builders so we started eliminating a lot of masonry while the masonry industry figured out how to insulate itself and we went to wood framing and in that wood framing we would stretch some paper and some chicken wire over the outside of the studs and then we would spread three coats of cement plaster on it it was very cost effective it was extremely messy uh, and it was kind of tricky applying it in the middle of the summer if a warm breeze was blowing because you couldn't let any one of those coats dry out too fast or you'd have some real problems later. Well, then we had an inventor, a chemist, uh, a stucco contractor here in the Valley, actually, who came up with an acrylic-based stucco. So instead of stretching paper and chicken wire over the outside of your framed walls— We would put a high-density, one-inch foam board up. Then we would stretch the chicken wire over that, and we would apply an acrylic stucco, which cracked a lot less than the three-coat cement, was a little bit more durable. And now, rather than adding insulation to your house, we were adding what's called outsolation. So we kept all the heat Farther away from the indoor living space, it actually drove, you know, we we were building two by four exterior walls, conventional three coat stucco with R11 bats and then putting half inch sheetrock. And we were accomplishing about an R18, 19, something like that. Well, then we went to two by six, put an R19 bat in there, put a seven Uh, r7 foam on the outside and your sheetrock on the inside now we're approaching an r30 in the walls and stucco was very cost effective we took a lot of the cement out we added the acrylic it became a much quicker process it was a two coat process instead of a three coat process it was much less messy but what you need to know about stucco is as cost effective as it is both in installing it and in what it does for you by insulating your home is that it is not waterproof. Okay, so it's only as waterproof as the paint that you put on it. That's why we tell you for a stucco home, you should be applying 100 percent acrylic exterior paint to your stucco about every seven to 10 years. We don't believe in elastomeric paint, and we don't believe in ceramic paint. There is no way to recoup the additional costs that those cost you. Uh, If a good exterior paint job lasts you seven to ten years, you're going to spend three to four times that much for elastomeric or a ceramic-based paint, and they aren't going to last three to four times longer. So we like the acrylic exterior on stucco. It breathes, it lets moisture out, and, re- and re- re- rejects moisture from saturating. Uh, and that's why stucco is so dang popular in the desert environments. Popular in California, Nevada, Utah, New Mexico, and Arizona. Welcome to our stucco subdivisions and i'm and i'm and and when i married sweet jennifer uh for for four years going through college i worked for a stucco company i I mean and that's right when we changed from three coat cement to acrylic so i was kind of like hands-on mr kenny grice and i was always in the office doing the estimating but every once in a while he'd let me out in the field and slop some mud around <laughs> and it's not that paint is waterproof it just helps shed the water that's, off. Right. that's and they, right
0: and the newer the paint the, the better it sheds i and it still perplexes me why why we're still building that way the way building technology has uh advanced over the last 20 years that they, they're still doing the the stick and stucco
1: we, we call it mind. we call it silly sticks and stucco Yeah. as opposed to uh now uh, the masonry that they have figured out how to insulate without having to do a big old fur out on the inside and eating up a bunch of your floor space now we just put up concrete block and fill it with foam called the integra system and i i think it's absolutely the right way to go
0: yeah and a lot of a lot of great alternatives that you know just can't seem to <clears throat> educate the builders it's a better way and i, I was saving it for later um but i don't know we got a few minutes might as well go
1: off it now save it five seconds because why i still got one foot on the soapbox i want to say something about the insulation value it it doesn't pay to spend a lot of money insulating your exterior wall if you install a bunch of cheap windows okay so if you're going to insulate your envelope spend the money on good doors and windows. All right, I'm, uh, now I'll step off the soapbox. Go ahead. Well, this was something I pulled the floor out of
0: Scientific America talking about 3D printed houses. We were talking oh. about the Habitat house that we watched. Well, this um, process by WASP, W-A-S-P out of Italy, has uh, is, is working on finding the right components to match with your soil to 3D print your house with on-site materials. So, you pull, instead of having to truck and ship materials from, you know, wherever they came from, lumber, you know, a lot of it's coming from Canada and Northwest. How green is that? You know, that's one of the great things about masonry. Most of our masonry products, you know, are, are sourced and made here locally. Well, if you could come on site with a 3D printer and add things like hemp and liquid binder to your clay soil to 3D print your house, not only... And so you're thinking, well, okay, what do you do with all the dirt that came out? Well, well, that's your basement.
1: <laughs> Amen, brother.
0: And <laughs> eliminates 95% of the mass that would typically need to be transported to the site. Um, and one of the things that I always think about, and this article hits at the end, is, you know, when you're watching these silly sticks and stucco houses go up, it's like, then what? You know, how long is that house going to last? What happens in 40 years when you got to tear all these things down and restart? <laughs> Where does all that material go? You just, know, it's just going to the landfill. Well, um, with this, when when it reaches the end of its life, it can simply be broken down back to the base material and reused. It's a zero-waste or secular model that goes back thousands of years. And it talks about today uh, homes on Mount Erie in Sicily that were constructed, constructed of local materials, Ten centuries ago, yo that they're baby, still living in, yo why, baby. Why, why we build these things that are so
1: temporary, well, we're, and, we're, and so expensive? We're, yes, we're, we're big fans of masonry, that's for sure. Now, in wrapping but up, the, that would be interesting You know,
0: the, with the marijuana coming back, the hemp and liquid binder <laughs> pulling pulling the structural fiber strength out of. How old was that house? In, uh, in Italy. Oh no! It was it was talking about the, the process. The material. Oh, okay. ten. You know, and the homes on Mount Greece and Sicily are ten century from ten centuries ago,
1: made out of local. You, material. you don't think the silly sticks and stucco houses are going to be here in ten centuries? <laughs> uh, uh, no. One of the other topics we talk a half about a century. as as uh, the most asked question, is, and we were asked it a lot is what are the most common repairs or remodels for my older home? These homes we're talking about. And the kitchen remodel, uh, y'all have all seen it. It's the commercial. Well, we, For some reason in the 70s, we thought it was a really good idea to flood your kitchen with fluorescent lights and put a bunch of clear plastic lenses on the ceiling. Well, you got to get rid of that. If you're still living with that, you got to get rid of that. Tear the soffits out, go in there with some good LED recess cans and get rid of that. Another thing we're doing a lot of is filling in sunken living rooms. And you can read about that in our blog. It's a much bigger job done properly than a lot of people are doing it. And you never fill a sunken living room in by using floor joists on top of your concrete slab. Never, ever do that. It's got to be filled in with concrete, You've got to raise the electrical receptacles to be the appropriate code-approved height above the new finished floor. You've got to do some specialty termite pre-treat, and you've got to anchor that new infill slab to the existing stem wall and slab in a very particular way. It's all detailed in our article, Fill in Sunken Living Rooms. Get rid of the fluorescent lights. Replace all your original toilets, even if you don't remodel the room itself. Many of you went into low-flow toilets when they became available, and you're still flushing them three and four and five times. The new low-flow toilets that have been out for about seven or eight years are worth it. You flush them one time, and the job is done. And actually, when we wrote this article, we said replace all shiny brass hardware. (laughs) That would be advice. But I have to tell you, the last three jobs we did with interior designers—they're putting brass back in. They're putting brass back They're in. Brass back in. <laughs> There's a reason it went out of style uh, the first time, boy. It's very hard to maintain. that for sure. And the last thing was turning your carport into a garage. Again, it sounds simple, but there are code restrictions on that. You must do it properly. <laughs>
0: Well, you've done a great job of playing classic songs by people I have no idea who, though. <laughs> you know, I don't recognize I Vince Gill picking that, huh? <laughs> that, that's Vince. Oh, that's Vince. Nice. No, I oh, didn't. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't man. notice any of the other vo- recognize any of the other voices from the other songs <laughs> or versions. <laughs> Stumping, Roman. <roaming. laughs> I can I can pick out Waylon's guitar. I, I don't know Vince that well. <laughs> Let's get to James, who called in and wants to uh, talk about stucco. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I have a block wall um, that's covered with stucco,
1: and I try to maintain it pretty well. The problem is, it's a shared wall, and the outside person does not maintain that wall properly. Is that causing my wall to break down sooner than it should? I imagine. You know what? I, I'm I'm jumping to conclusions here, but there are sprinklers or their irrigation system has got their side of the wall regularly getting wet. And that's coming through your side, no matter what you do to keep it looking good. Am, am I close? Uh, yes and no. That used to be the case, but uh, we've taken and put some rocks two and a half feet out from the block wall. Great. So there's two different walls. So one does not get regular sprinkling anymore, but the other wall, the person has just let it deteriorate to the, to the fact where it's actually degrading some of the blocks. Yeah, and it can. Um, there, are, there are several different uh, options before it gets so bad that it's got to be replaced. Um, yeah, keeping the moisture off of it and your rock garden is going to do more for it than anything. So that was a great move. Um, Romy and Mesa uh, Blue Star Masonry, Marvell Masonry. Um, I would have you take pictures of what you're dealing with into Marvell Masonry. And they've got about five or six different products that could slow the degradation down. There's a, there's a manufacturer by the name of Ocon, O K O N, and they've got several masonry sealer stabilizer products available. Uh, get your picture, get into Marvell Masonry, and uh, they'll, they'll they'll actually talk you through how much you need, how you need to apply it, and how often you need to maintain it. And
0: they've got two on Arizona Avenue, one north of the sixty, one south of the 202. They used to be open on Saturdays. Um, it says right now they don't open till Monday, so I don't know if they've closed on Saturdays or if it's holiday hours or something, but up. Make a note to follow up with that during the week. That was one of the things I loved about them. They were always open till noon on Saturday, so you could get get all your supplies put together to start for that weekend for, your, for that weekend afternoon project. Right, or like if you're trying to get stuff ready for your job, so come Monday, you're not busy getting supplies. You're ready to start the job all on hand. But we've talked our way we've
1: talked our way through the most popular questions we've been asked all year. And the most common remodeling projects we're being asked to do. Let me close this hour by just uh, mentioning something. We had some of our staff meet a Rosie certified remodeler in the East Valley, uh, Hockley. And Mr. Hockley asked my staff, Could you tell Rosie to mention on air that we need bigger deposits to start jobs now? For a couple reasons. One, if you sign a contract with a remodeling company right now chances are they aren't going to be able to start right away so we're going to need a deposit sufficient to hold your start date that may be three or four months out well we'd like to order some of those products now to get them on hand rather than wait till we start tearing you apart to order them then so don't be too surprised If good, rosy-certified remodeling contractors are asking you for a little bit larger deposits now for the sake of keeping your job on schedule once the job gets started. And I can tell you right now, uh, at our little remodeling company, if we signed a contract with you today, the earliest we'd be able to start that job is about the end of June or early July. So it's busy. Be careful with whom you decide to do business with. Be very, very careful. When we get back, 10 o'clock hour. We actually have Mr. John Junker coming in, talking a little bit about St. Vincent DePaul, as well as other questions about your house and home.